Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. It is the first time we are talking to you here in the 2020-2021 college basketball season. I guess you could call it that. Technically, at the time of this recording, we're still about two days from tip-off, but we do want to uh, preview the season a little bit, talk about some of the bigger storylines, and introduce you to uh, some of the new staff that we have here on the pod. And I'll I'll just let you know what uh, what we're going to try to do this year. Uh, similar to previous years, we're going to try to do about one of these a week, uh, hopefully more if we get motivated, um, and just kind of bring out a, a rotating cast of characters. We're, we're going to start with uh, two of our new editors here today who, who have joined me. Uh, I'll introduce them real quick. First, it is Lance Hartzler out of the great state of Arizona and good blogger boy, Sam Newberry from Milwaukee. So Lance, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your background, what kind of mid-majors you know about and, you know, maybe your, uh, your Tinder profile or something and people could get in contact with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I said, I am in Flagstaff, Arizona, covering the wonderful Big Sky Conference, specifically Northern Arizona University, not to be confused with University of Northern Arizona, like I see many recruits like to post on Twitter. So yeah, I'm the sports editor at the Daily Sun, also in Flagstaff, the local paper out here, which if you're a Arizona resident, subscribe. Also got hired on here, Mini Major Madness. I love low-level college hoops, the Dixie States, the NAUs, the teams that no one really cares about, because they're just insanely intriguing to me. All right, and you know, if you've read the site for a while, you know that sometimes we lack in the big sky coverage. So that is about to change. You will all be very happy to know. Sam, what uh, what about you? Uh, so I actually attended Marquette University here in Milwaukee, Noted Wisconsin. Mid-major. Um, yep. I say, I, you know, the, the Big East is a mid-major conference jokes write themselves. Um, but uh, I have been involved with SB Nation for a while. Um, I wrote for Big East Coast Bias, um, and then I wrote for Anonymous Eagle, so Big East Coast Bias covering Big East basketball, um, and then Anonymous Eagle covering specifically Marquette. Um, kind of got way too busy with, you know, real life work um, until COVID happened, and I, uh, you know, found myself some time. And with the fact that I'm, uh, you know, moving from Milwaukee, Wisconsin to Seattle and probably attending Seattle U next year for law school, um, just like every other SB Nation employee, I am also going to law school. Um, so I, I, my interest will be mostly, um, you know, out West as well. Um, but honestly, I think one of the big things for me joining Mid-Major Madness was exposing me to not just the, you know, the editing and the writing work that I enjoy doing, you know, as a hobby, but um, exposing myself to a lot of different, uh, you know, basketball teams I've never paid any sort of attention to and sort of increase the general knowledge of my basketball nerddom. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm ha- happy to be here. Glad Russ is putting up with me on the podcast and in our Slack channel because I tend to be a bit of an idiot. So I'm looking forward to a good year. Well, I, I am happy that you're here exposing yourself uh, in your words. And, um, it, if anyone uh, listening doesn't know, Sam is going to be uh, critical in our um, efforts to violently overthrow the regime at Big East Coast Bias. So stay tuned for that. Um, last time we recorded one of these podcasts, it was 
in the middle of the summer, um, I just jumped on here with Cam Newton and we talked for about 45 minutes or so about the pandemic and, and what it means for college basketball. And now that we are basically, you know, on the eve of the start of the season here, um, I can't say I have too many more answers than we had then. Um, sure, we have schedules that are changing every minute. I'm sure even since we've started recording, something's changed. Uh, we have, you know, rough ideas of, you know, that the tournament's going to be held at one location. It's probably going to be Indianapolis. We don't know that for sure yet. We don't know uh, if there will be fans, how that would work, what the testing procedures will be. Um, and, and we don't even know how this week is going to play out. Um, it's, I don't think it's controversial at all for me to say it's been a mess, uh, whether you think we should be playing or not. I mean, it's we've had cancellations. We've had schedule changes. Uh, Rob Doster from NBC Sports compared it to, um, or formerly of NBC Sports, compared it to uh, AAU schedules in, in the summer. And if you've ever, ever been to an AAU tournament, uh, you, you know that's pretty accurate. So I, I want to get you, your guys' take on well, what exactly are we doing here right now with college basketball about to start and no definitive plan as to how it's going to go other than, you know, take every individual game for all 357 teams as it comes and decide whether you're going to play or not. And you won't really know until the ball is tipped. It's funny that you mentioned all that Russ, because literally as you went through that, Eastern Washington University announced that their game on Wednesday against Oregon just got postponed. <laughs> of course. Of yeah. course. I'm sure while you're talking now, another game will get postponed. It's just like, every, it feels like every 10 minutes we get another postponement. And really, I agree with you. Like, what is the purpose of this? Why are we even trying non-conference? I've been firmly on the slate that I understand the importance of money games, the importance of having these for the mid-majors and low mid-majors. I think they just need to scrap the non-conference completely and go to a conference-only season. Yeah, Yeah. and I I don't think there's any doubt that if there wasn't an insane amount of money in these early season events, particularly for TV, that we would not be doing them. I mean, the most Division III conferences, I, I, I follow D3 a lot, that they've all canceled their seasons. Not all of them, but a lot of the conferences have. Uh, the team that I cover has, uh, because let's face it, there's not money in D3 basketball. Well, there is in Division One, and and that's why we're here, and that's why we're potentially exposing players, coaches, personnel, in some cases, fans to maybe dangerous situations. Uh, it and, and there's no real organization to it uh, whatsoever. Sam, what what do you think? I mean. Um... I don't know what our policy is on how many swear words I get per, oh, uh, per, per per podcast, but what in the fuck are we doing? Like it's, it's going to be like, I, it, it is wild to me, especially in the, the era where, you know, the NCAA is finally starting to consider, um, you know, NLI. Um, so name image or NIL, so name image likeness um, legislation. Um, you know, there, you would hope, you know, it seems to be the public opinions turning away from, you know, the schools and towards the players in terms of paying the players um, in terms of, you know, like clearly they're here to make money um, for the schools at this point. Um, it's wild to me that we, the United States has the hubris to go. I need to be entertained by people who don't make money um, to entertain me. 
Um, and I understand, you know, the NCAA needs its funding. Um, conferences and schools need their TV deals to go through. But at this point, you know, I, I don't understand why we aren't just doing conference only. I don't understand why we haven't thought about or we haven't tried to implement on a real level instead of just a few coaches, you know, tossing the idea out of pushing the season back. So I know Rick Pitino at Iona has already said, you know, we should push this back. You know, um, an April Madness or a May Madness is going to be just as good. Um, you know, there, there, there will be some schools that are financially hurting in terms of the fact that they're going to need that money now rather than later. But um, and I don't want to get too political on the podcast. So, um, you know, the national the national response has been less than great from um, any side that you're on. And um, I think that at this point, we're making young men and women, um, you know, pay the price so we can be entertained for, you know, a day at a time. And so it, it, it really feels like I'm, I'm a Marquette basketball fanatic. I am insanely, my, my mental health swings way too much on what uh, that team does. And even I'm sitting here, like they need to not be playing right now. I don't care how desperate I am for them to have, uh, you know, have, have games and you know have something to watch and cover, but they, games need to be not happening right now. Um, but Unfortunately, that's not the case, and so we just have to roll with the hand we're dealt, I guess. Uh, side note, how weird was it a minute ago for you to say Rick Pitino from Iona? Uh, it still doesn't feel right to it me. It feels like cognitive dissonance. <laughs> it feels like, you know, like part of my brain exploded. So um, it, it's exciting because he's already brought in a ton of recruits, and you know, obviously – despite what your personal opinion of him is, he's been a successful head coach on the court. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, Iona has been running that conference for multiple years as it is. Um, what, how much better do they get now? Like, is it just, do we not even consider anybody else in that conference relevant because Rick Pitino is going to take Iona to the tournament for the next 10 years or what? Yeah. Um, Go, going back to the issue at, at hand here, um, the arguments that this has led to on Twitter have been so disgusting to watch. And uh, it, it's it's so obvious that the people who are arguing that, that we should be playing right now and that there are ways to make it safe just want to be entertained by college basketball players. And I get it. I mean, I I admit 100% like while I know we shouldn't be playing right now I'm very excited to watch college basketball this week and I realize that those are kind of two co- contradictory feelings but I I get it but to say that it makes any sort of sense whatsoever for a team like Arizona State to fly across the country to Connecticut to play at Mohegan Sun um it it's absurd. And looking at the, at that Mohegan event as well, you know, a lot of smaller conference schools are there as well. Stephen F. Austin is there. Towson is there. I'm sure some of those teams are flying commercial. And that brings a whole bunch of risks with it as well. There is no way to do this completely safely. And because we can all acknowledge that, I think it's pretty clear that we are doing this because we need an NCAA tournament or the, the NCAA does because it's a billion dollar event and that's what it needs to survive. 
um, it, it, this has nothing to do with player safety. It's about we need this we need this paycheck in March, and however we get it is you know we're gonna do what we have to do, and they've accepted that you know it, exposing players, staff, uh, coaches, whoever to. Um, an increased risk of this virus. Uh, that's just the price that they're willing to pay. And you, you know, you, you could say that's uh, that's worth it, or or it's not. But that's that's just the reality of it right now. And I don't think it could be any any clearer. So now that we know that there is going to be a season in some form, we have uh, released our top twenty five. Uh, teams in the mid-major world they are the other top 25 rankings you will notice if you're new to this website to this podcast whatever the word mid-major does not appear in those rankings uh, and that was a deliberate change so that we could include teams like gonzaga and not have you yelling at us uh but gonzaga as usual does top the poll st louis comes in at number two uh, I believe it was Loyola, so Loyola Chicago. At, yeah, Loyola, yeah, Loyola at three, Northern Iowa at four. four. Right. And then San Diego State rounding out the top five. Yeah, and I think if if you look at that upper upper half of the teams that, that we have, you know, sure, you have, you have your Gonzaga, San Diego State, the usual suspects, but it is Atlantic 10 and it is Missouri Valley heavy, and those are going to be two really good conferences this year. Sam, I know you wanted to... Uh, talk about the A-10 a little bit. Uh, they were very good last year. They're going to be very good this year. They don't have, you know, OB Toppin making headlines every night, but my God, they've got a bunch of really good teams and a bunch of really good players. Yeah, I mean, let's just go through, and um, I'm a Ken Palm believer. Um, I'm a big Ken Palm fan, so, you know, we can discuss the merits of the, the analytics as you want, um, but let's just look at what Ken Palm has for, like, the top of that conference. St. Louis, Dayton, Richmond, St. Bonaventure, Davidson, Duquesne, VCU, and Rhode Island. And, like, it's so hard to pick. Like, that's going to come down to, like, one wild win somewhere. Like, that's going to be who wins this conference. Is like, St. Louis stealing one in Dayton. Or Richmond going 2-0 against St. Bonaventure and Davidson. Like, it's, it's going to be... So, so, so close. And um, actually one of the, we, we tweeted out a quick, you know, mailbag question thing, um, sort of tying in two of them at once. Um, you know, so Joshua Slate, who from the A-10 will be the biggest surprise. Um, and then uh, I want to and then West Pine Bills, um, you know, what is the ceiling for this year's SLU team? Will the A-10 have three bids? Um, this is a year where, you know, things, things are going to be so wild that all it takes is like, like I wrote the Richmond preview article. They're playing Kentucky and West Virginia. All it takes is them to finish, you know, top two or three in their conference and get one of those wins. And that's going to be so much better than some of the, you know, quote unquote major conference teams that can't, you know, that have COVID related cancellations and don't get good non-conference wins. You know, I mean, I'll use my Marquette golden Eagles from last year. They, they, they won a lot in the non-con, they, they, they played pretty well, beat some pretty good teams, and then went 8-10 and 10 in the Big East when we were slated for like a, 10, a 9 or a 10 seed um, before you know everything got shut down. This is a year where like Marquette's already been shut down. 
for COVID for two weeks and they're finally back practicing. You know, UConn's going to be, you know, right on the, the cusp of our, can they play their first set of games or not? Same with Seton Hall. You know, all it takes is the mid-majors not getting those cancellations and then, you know, picking off one team that I think this year could really elevate them above, you know, a Marquette that only gets games against UW Green Bay and Arkansas Pine Bluff um, and then has other stuff canceled. So um, I, I think I think St. Louis is a legit Sweet 16 team. Um, I think this should be a three-bid league. Um and uh, my surprise team for this year was St. Bonaventure. So um, I would pick them as the, the surprise. But the A-10 is going to be probably the mid-major conference I pay the most attention to this year, just personally. I think uh, you and I are on the same page about St. Bonaventure. That's going to be a really good team. And, and that's a team that maybe people aren't talking enough about when you look at what they're bringing back. Uh, look at a guy like Kyle Lofton. Uh, ha- has the potential to be one of the more exciting players in that league. Uh, Os- Osen, Osen, Ni- I will never get his name right, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, he Osen, Osen, knocked- Ni- yeah. Yeah. He absolutely knocked my socks off when I saw him live, and he is going to be uh, an even better player this year. I really like this Bonaventure team. If this were a normal season, I would say that I would be shocked if the A-10 didn't get at least three bids. Of course, you can't say that about any league at this point right now because who knows what's going to happen. Um, but I think there are five teams that are good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Bonaventure, Dayton, uh, Richmond. Who the hell are the others? Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis and, St. Louis yeah, and Duquesne. Duquesne. Thank you. Yeah. It's my, my mind is soup. You, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you bring up a good point, Russ. I think I don't want to like spoil anything, but I'm pretty sure like the A10, as good as it can be, I'm fearful for a lot of these mid-major leagues hoping to get more than just one or two bids. The lack of a non-conference, depending on what happens with COVID, depending on the further cancellations, I think that's going to mess them up the most. I think oh, that's wow. going to put them at a massive disadvantage because they just don't have the strength and they won't get looked at to have an extra bid. Yeah, and I actually I wrote about that a little bit in the Gonzaga preview. Um, but, I mean, the same applies to a lot of the A-10 schools as well. Um, you know, you look at Gonzaga's schedule tentatively. They have Kansas, Baylor, Tennessee, Auburn, um, they have one of N- NAU is on it. Of course, and of course, NAU. Uh, Come on. <laughs> Iowa they, is the last one for Iowa is the last one. Thank you. Yeah. If they only get like two of those games in, which you know the Tennessee one's really in doubt right now because Tennessee had to shut down today. Um, if they only get one or two of those games in, all of a sudden those are incredibly important games for Gonzaga, and you know you you don't want Gonzaga to be in a situation where their first game on a Wednesday afternoon against Kansas could be the difference between them being a number one seed or them not being a number one seed. Uh, but that's very possible. And, and especially because that's going to be their freshman point guard, Jalen Suggs, who's awesome. That's going to be his very first game. And we talk about getting thrown right into the fire. You're playing Kansas in a game that could ultimately mean a ton. Uh, so that, I mean, that's what it's like from Gonzaga's perspective. Now magnify that even more for an Atlantic 10 team who we're talking about, you know, might be on the bubble so forget about a one or a two seed 
it is getting into the tournament. So it, it's certainly right. not fair, but it's what we're going to have to deal with. Right. I mean, just looking at, you know, like, so St. Bonaventure's schedule right now per Ken Palm is like they have Vermont as the only non-conference game and then they go just into the A-10. Like, I know, I, I want to say they're supposed to play Towson and, or Towson and one other team in Bubbleville uh, up in Connecticut, but I don't recall who the other one is, maybe Stetson off the top of my head. Um, but it's like, that's, even if you win all three of those games, like you probably should win all three of those games if you're St. Bonaventure. And then you have to, you know, this is a league that should get three bids. I think Lance made a really good point in that. I don't think they will um, just because, you know, the, the major conferences are going to have conference play matter so much this year. I, I I'm optimistic where, you know, like I said, like with Richmond, like if they can pick off Kentucky or the, West Virginia, um, you know, maybe that really skyrockets the seed they get, especially if they perform up to the level I think they will in the A-10. Um, and maybe that does get them in as a, a an at-large. But, you know, somebody like a St. Bonaventure probably isn't getting in as an at-large right now. Of course, while you were talking, uh the UConn women's program shut down for 14 days. Oh, joy. Oh, so joy now crap. their games against Mississippi State and Louisville are done. Oh, oh my God. So it's, again, what are we doing here? Right. Uh, um, sorry, that threw me. Where were we going next? Um, I want to say, so we were talking about, like, in our top five, top ten, you know, obviously Gonzaga's number one, and then we had a bunch to say about the A-10. Um, you know, and then it was the other one was the Missouri Valley, which had two teams in the top five. So I think that's probably yeah. where we should head next. Yeah. So two, two uh, really good teams in the Valley, Northern Iowa and Loyola Chicago. They're both very experienced teams. They both bring back uh, players that are um, now fixtures on the mid-major madness, uh, first team, second team, whatever. Uh Cam Crutwig for Loyola, AJ Green for Northern Iowa. This feels like the kind of year that we've been waiting on for the Valley since Wichita State left. A year where they would have two or three really good teams. And it it feels like we have it with UNI and with Loyola. I think Bradley might be kind of a wild card to throw in there um, as well, but it it feels like the Valley's back and I'm excited about it. Yeah. I mean, the good, a good Valley is good for college basketball. Um, having grown up sort of in the general area of the Valley, it was one of the two conferences besides the big 10 that people pay, uh, paid attention to um, because nobody talked about Western Illinois university, which is close to where I'm from originally. Uh, thank you. SB nation, Ricky for making them popular. Again. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I mean, I remember, you know, watching games like, um, you know, so you go Wichita State in the Valley, you had, um, that was before uh, Creighton left from the Valley to go to the Big Ten, if I'm not mistaken, or Big or Big East, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, you know, a good Valley with elite players is good for college basketball. Um, I still think it's probably a one-bid league, even though, you know, both Loyola and Northern Iowa are good enough to go, because... You know, uh, right now, Northern Iowa has two non-conference games, and both of them are pretty decent teams. Um, but uh, 
Loyola, at least according to Kempom, doesn't have anything listed uh, as non-conference right now. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I, right now, it just you know, it's going to be hard to justify somebody that you know. There's a there's a world in which uh, Northern Iowa you know wins its two non-conference games against Marshall and Western Kentucky, um, and Loyola you know just plays in the valley and they split the series and they're tied going into the conference tournament at the top um so it's it it would be very difficult i think for either of them to sneak in as an at-large but it again it really sucks because this sort of like last year you know san diego state and dayton were supposed to be among the mid-majors that were really making noise and sort of putting mid-major schools on the map um and this seemed like another year where we'd have a bunch of really good mid-major programs, but because of COVID, we're probably not going to see the postseason success they deserve. Yeah, that's that's true, unfortunately. But you know, if if you want to look at maybe a, a glass half full version of that, is that the Loyola versus UNI games are going to be absolutely electric this year because they're going to must mean see TV. so must much see more. TV. Yeah. Uh, and it'll make Arch Madness a lot of fun too. Um, grasping at straws here for a you know a positive out of how this whole season right. is set up. Um, but yeah, uh, Lance, do you want to take us through the Big Sky a little bit? Let us know what that's going to look like this year. Yeah, I can absolutely do that. And <laughs> jumping off the news we heard earlier during this podcast, I reported on some news earlier on NAU season opener against U of A, also on Wednesday being canceled. So the Big Sky has had a fun day. So Big Sky Conference is kind of the go-to teams, as we always know, are Eastern Washington, Montana, and no crap, they're the top two teams heading into this year. They're the most senior-laden. Michael Stedman at Montana is a stud transfer. Eastern Washington has arguably the best coach, plus arguably the best two players in Jacob Davison and Kim Aiken Jr. That team's just loaded. They lost one of the best players in the conference last year, Mason Beatling, but man, I don't see them. I don't see a scenario where they lose the conference unless someone like Montana or a freak injury or COVID does what it did last year and stops Eastern Washington from winning the Big Sky tournament like it did. That's really the Big Sky. It's Eastern Washington's league to lose. Montana's good. NAU, the team I cover closely, they're solid. They have one of the better players, but they have question marks all over the place because they lost two key players to grad transfer. One, Cameron Satterwhite, two, Big Sky rival Montana, which was just baffling at the time. And then Bernie Andre, who originally transferred to Vermont, has since decided to leave Vermont for personal reasons. I'm not entirely clear why exactly, but that's what's been reported so far. Give me a, a reason why NAU could surprise this year and be better than expected. Oh, NAU can surprise. I mean, I picked them fourth in my base guy preseason media poll, and they got picked eighth by the consensus. So I was way high on them compared to everyone else, including the coaches. I, th- I like their coach, Shane Burkar, who is now officially in his first year after basically coaching the entire season last year from June until March as the interim head coach after Jack Murphy, former head coach for a couple of years, left to take an associate head coaching job at U of A. Burkar now is in his first year. He has that team. He has them lined up as a team that can contend eventually. It's just a matter of, is it this year or is it next? I feel like they're one year off of really being a contender. They have the stud point guard, Cameron Shelton. He's literally the type of point guard you expect at a low mid-major. He does everything. About a 15-point-per-game score, six rebounds, five assists, a couple steals on decent efficiency. 
not a three-point shooter, but he's a downhill guard who can get to the rim and opens up shooters across the board for NAU because they like to put shooters around him. So it's the type of offense you expect to see when you have a downhill point guard that can't really shoot threes. That's where they can excel. If team, if they can find a way to get offense outside of Cam, that's how they can win because they have a 50% shooter almost in Luke Abdovich on the wing. They got a lot of unknowns, including Jay Green, who transferred over from UNLV. He's an excellent defender, a versatile offensive playmaker. It's just a matter of how do these new guys kind of fit in? How does that roster contend against a known commodity like Eastern Washington, like even Weber State, who is like NAU, has a bunch of new pieces. Like I think they had somewhere like seven to eight newcomers is what I understand. A completely new roster, completely made over from a team that was pretty good last year. So we know NAU can surprise. We know know, Arizona State's going to be really good. Arizona's Arizona. But you have to tell me, is the best team in Arizona right now New Mexico State? I was glad you brought this up. They are the second second best team. ASU's the best. Okay, that is fair. Yeah. I love the situation. While we were making jokes about New Mexico State in Arizona, uh, two big things came through on the timeline on Twitter. Um, so Rhode Island is replacing Baylor in the 2K Empire Classic. Um, so uh, on Wednesday, Arizona State plays Rhode Island. Um, uh, and then also the first game of the season uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday, uh, one to watch for those who really do like mid-major basketball, uh, San Francisco versus uh, Stephen F. Austin. San Francisco, kind of a a team in the West Coast Conference that people aren't really talking about that has some potential. We've talked about Pepperdine because they have, you know, uh, Colby Ross, one of the most exciting players at this level. Of course, we all know BYU. Yeah, we all know BYU. We all know Gonzaga. San Francisco, a dark horse. You'll have a chance to watch them against a really good Stephen F. Austin team. And I guess that brings us to um, a general question I'll toss to both of you. What are each of you looking forward to the most this week in college basketball? Uh, huge asterisk if it happens. Oh, man. I'm not going to think about that one. Um, I guess, uh, obviously, uh, if the, the slate of games happens for Gonzaga, I mean, that's, you know, what? They're playing, allegedly playing Kansas, Baylor, Tennessee, um, you know, not not all in this first week, but um, that's a heck of a a litmus test for a team that many think is the best in the country right now. Um, I I think I agree with that consensus that they are probably the best team in the country, or at least the you know the most known commodity in the country. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that uh, Gonzaga Kansas game. Um, Everything else, I mean, I guess, you know, I'm going to have San Francisco and Stephen F. Austin turned on while I'm working um, on Wednesday um, because that's going to be really, really, really fun. Um, You know, one of the questions we did get in the mailbag from David Peterson, you know, thoughts on the potential for a multi-bid West Coast conference. Um, Probably not more than Gonzaga because Gonzaga is going to eat everybody. But if anybody's going to steal a bid um, in that conference, it my pick would be San Francisco. Um, you know, BYU has uh, a good set of players returning, got Matt Harms from Purdue. 
Um, and then Pepperdine has Colby Ross, but uh, you know, San, I think San Francisco is the most complete team on paper in that conference besides Gonzaga. Um, arguments we made for St. Mary's as well. Um, but uh, I guess if I did see a multi-bid WCC, it would be San Francisco stealing it. Uh, so Someone? I want to walk. Go ahead. I'm going to say I'm going to disagree with you. I think Pepper, Pepperdine is way underrated. I like their roster. I, I watched them play not in person last year, but I watched Colby Ross just decimate NAU a year ago. And the way that team plays, I think they'd be the type of team to steal a bid, bid even in a COVID altered season. I cannot wait. Assuming it happens on Friday, they play UCLA. And I think that's going to be a really intriguing mid-major versus a power team, power five school matchup. Crick Monin coached uh, UCLA. <laughs> yeah, that still feels weird. Yeah. Um, one one quick note here, and of course this may have changed, and I I could be wrong, but people are probably correcting us now. Uh, San Francisco is playing Stephen F. Austin. That's on Thursday. Uh, they actually open against Towson, which will also be an interesting game. Towson, another team that I think is pretty underrated. Uh, so it's the the mid majors going to uh, Bubbleville are actually really intriguing. I was say, I know just in the last few minutes I said that um they were San Francisco was supposed to play Stephen F. Austin on Wednesday. It was just announced, but maybe it yep. is on Thursday. Okay. Uh, or that could be Wednesday now. Who the hell knows? Like maybe well, we, we, have people, we, we have people Yeah, we have people asking um Towson at nine. Um so Matt Norlander reported it, so we'll see we'll see what happens with that. Um another underrated game going on sort of on Wednesday in the morning. Um, ETSU versus uh, Abilene Christian uh, might be a fun watch uh, as well. I know um, I think Abilene Christian uh, made the tournament last year. Maybe that sounds yeah, right. The last year that there yeah. was a tournament, they made it right. The last year that there was a tournament, they, they made it. Um, I obviously don't know their roster turnover, but it's a team that has gotten to um, the, t- the tournament, um, you know, a program that seems to be building itself a little bit. Um, but uh, and then ETSU now that Steve Forbes has gone to Wake Forest, um, curious to see what that team looks like. But um, if you're looking for a non, I guess we'll see what the issue is with the schedule. You know, San Francisco and Stephen F. Austin, but that might be another good watch on Wednesday morning. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested just to see what this ETSU team looks like. I mean, not only did they lose Steve Forbes, they don't return any starters from last year's team. Uh, so that's a a complete rebuild. They do bring in some pretty good transfer talent. It's just, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. So that would also be one worth watching. I'm, I'm scanning through some of the, uh, the mailbag questions right now. Um, just to see if there's anything else that you know we could segue into. Uh, I guess the next one I think would be interesting to talk about. Um, so Nick Popejoy, um, I, I apologize if I am mispronouncing any of these. Um, expectations for Conference USA and ODU. Um, so uh, Old Dominion. Um, I think uh, Conference USA. Uh, just just looking at the metrics here. I mean, you have Western Kentucky. So um, Charles Bassey um, is 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 a person, and if he comes back, uh, you know, healthy after missing most of last year, um, and then you know Marshall is sort of right now, at least according to Ken Palm, ranked ahead of uh, ODU. But uh, I mean, that's a 
that's a conference that has, at the top has Western Kentucky, Marshall, Old Dominion, and North Texas. So that might be a fun top. And then they have um, UTSA, which uh, not projected to be as good as the rest of those teams, but they do have uh, Javon Jackson, who is one of the most electric scorers in the country. So there's a there's a lot of fun to be had in CUSA this year. Um, just personally, I find it hard to see anybody – that's not Western Kentucky or Marshall winning this conference. But, um, you know, I, I mean, Old Dominion, Old Dominion has all of the pieces. Um, again, the last time there was a tournament, they, they made it. Um, and I, I'm kind of just shooting off the cuff right here. So please correct me um, if you guys want to start sanity checking me. Um, you know, most people listed on Ken Palm, so Malik Curry, Xavier Green were all juniors last year, so they should be returning. Um, Lee Curry at point guard, Xavier Green on the wing. Um, so, I mean, there's they, they have all of the pieces there. Um, definitely, uh, I think one of the big things they need to improve on is their three-point shooting percentage. It was um, bottom 30 in the country uh, for teams. But uh, chance to make some noise. And, again, you know, it's hard to make any guarantees with COVID, you know, what will actually happen um, in these different conferences. So, uh Definitely in a, in a season that could be just as upside down as the rest of 2020 has been. Um, chance to make noise, even though I, I, at least personally, I find it hard to believe anybody outside of Western Kentucky or Marshall will win that conference. We were really high on Old Dominion uh, in our preseason rankings. We had them ranked, uh, which I think caused a lot of people to kind of raise an eyebrow. But I, I was pushing for them real hard. They returned four starters from last year. Uh, they went nine and nine in the league and lost a whole bunch of games by uh, two possessions or fewer. Um, I just felt like they were a team primed to break out uh, with the guys that you mentioned. Um, They're, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. Jeff Jones is an excellent coach. uh, And he also believes that his team has the opportunity to really have, have a breakout year. Uh, CUSA is going to be fun. I think this is the best version of that conference that we've seen in a while. Uh, Western Kentucky, I think North Texas is the second best team. Old Dominion, Marshall, UTSA, all kind of in that conversation after that. Javon Jackson being the best player in the in the conference, uh, maybe ahead of Bassey, maybe maybe behind Bassey. I don't know. Um, Javion J- 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 Hamlet from North Texas. Um, uh, Hamlet as well. Might might have some something to say about Javon Jackson being the best yeah. player in the conference, but um, uh, North Texas fans will get on me for that because they they've called me out for forgetting Hamlet in the past. Uh, what else? I'm just uh, scanning some more questions here. Don't want to run us too long. Um, maybe one more. Um, Fate of the OVC, uh, Riptide Neptune Slug. Fantastic username. So um, if they lose Eastern Kentucky and Jacksonville State. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's not great if they lose. Obviously, just losing teams in general for mid-major conferences, um, you know, you don't want to have too much uncertainty every year. Um, but the, the the cream of that crop right now is still Murray State, Belmont, and Austin P. Yeah. Um, so I... I, I find it hard to think that it would have major repercussions unless they can't find you no, know, like no offense to Chicago state fans, but if you're going to replace them with like a Chicago state or, um, you know, somebody out of the SWAC, 
or the MEAC, then, then maybe it's problematic because the, the quality of your conference up and down goes down. But um, I, I, I don't think the OVC is doomed if they lose either team. If they were to lose Belmont and Murray State um, to, you know, uh, the Missouri Valley or something, I think it'd be a lot more problematic. And I think yeah. I think the Ohio Valley would be able to swing someone to replace that's not a Chicago State caliber. I'm pretty sure they can land somebody that poached right. anyone from any of those places with the thousands of colleges in that area, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, like, the first one that came to mind for me would be, like, Appalachian State out of the Sun Belt or somebody like that. Um, Problem is that State plays football, though. Right. So you would yeah. have to – I guess, you know, just to – Geographically, that would make sense, but yeah, uh, if they're playing D one football, then that that's true. Yeah, I I think you're right that as long as the OVC keeps those top three, they're going to be fine. Uh, with the number of teams right now that are trying to jump to Division one, and obviously now with the pandemic, maybe that changes. Uh, they they could fill in the gaps if they need to. Um, I I don't think that. Jacksonville State and Eastern Kentucky are necessarily going to tip the scales of that conference uh, in, in in the opposite way. I, I think it'd be funny if uh, if they were able to snag uh, Lipscomb from the A-Sun uh, just because they have that rivalry with Belmont. And also, you know, that's where those two schools from the OVC are rumored to be headed. Uh, so just kind of a funny note there. I don't know. They might not have another use for another uh, Nashville team. Uh, but, you know, that's a great rivalry and would certainly elevate uh, the conference in that regard. And plus, you always love in-state rivalries. Yeah. Might as well just get into the conference if you can. Um, I guess that's like most of the questions that we got from the mailbag. Sorry if we didn't get there. Um, I think every time we podcast, we'll sort of post something like this. So definitely keep sending questions in. Um, I guess, uh, Russ, did you have anything else on the agenda for this? Um, no, I didn't. I know somebody else asked, uh, what is a mid-major and there's just no way we're getting into that. That's a, no, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's, a that's a quagmire of a conversation. No, it's, that's, that's like, that's like theology. Let's not touch yeah, that. Yes. If, uh, if you've listened to this podcast or followed me on Twitter, you, you know, I really dislike the name of our website, but we can't change it. Uh, just because nobody really knows what a mid-major is, and it carries a certain connotation with it that a lot of teams we cover don't like, uh, which creates problems for us. But point is, I don't know what a mid-major is. You don't know what a mid-major is. It's whatever you want it to be. So <laughs> on that note, I guess we should get out of here. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. Please remember to subscribe if you have not already rate and review us because apparently that's a good thing to do Uh, we will be back next week hopefully with some combination of writers and editors Uh, until then for lance and sam i'm russ thank you so much for listening and enjoy the first few days of the college basketball season